Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. Lord willing, our intention is to go verse by verse and chapter by chapter through the entire Bible. Here to continue that journey is our Bible teacher here at Into the Word, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Hope you have your Bible open in front of you to Daniel chapter 5. I think I mentioned in the introductory episode of this series that the book of Daniel is almost like two books put together. The first six chapters are all of a piece, and they tell the story in a certain way. And then the second six chapters are all of a different piece, and they tell the story in a certain way. And that's helpful to remember, because if we read these chapters as if they are in chronological order, then we will be very confused. This story in chapter 5 actually takes place near the end of Daniel's life, even though we find it in the middle of the book. Daniel in the story is over 80 years old, and he has been in semi-retirement now for 23 years. Nebuchadnezzar is dead and buried, and the Babylonian Empire is in steep decline. In fact, just a few days before this story takes place, the army of Babylon was defeated by Cyrus of Persia near Sippar, about 50 miles from the capital city. And you can read this story, if you want, through the lens of what you've heard or seen on the History Channel about Hitler's bunker in the last days of April 1945. The enemy is closing in, and Belshazzar is losing his grip on power. Now, Belshazzar himself is a very interesting character. For years, liberal scholars pointed to this chapter as an example of the inaccuracy of the Bible. There was no King Belshazzar, they said. Nabonidus was the king of Babylon at this time. And this proves, they said, that Daniel was written in the 2nd century B.C., 300 years after these supposed events took place. And the author made mistakes, they said. Except that now we know that there really was a King Belshazzar. It turns out that King Nabonidus, Belshazzar's father, didn't really like being king. He, he wanted to be an archaeologist and a priest, and he wanted to worship the god of his home region. And that made the priesthood in Babylon with their gods a little bit nervous. And so Nabonidus decided to go into a type of self-imposed exile. He went off to an oasis in modern-day Saudi Arabia, and gave himself to the full-time worship of the moon god Sin, that's the god's name, not a description of its character, and to his other intellectual pursuits. Now, Nabonidus named his son Belshazzar his co-regent and left him in charge of the capital city. And all of this has been proven now by archaeologists, which is a reminder that the next time some historian tells you that such and such story in the Bible never actually happened, don't be so quick to believe them. We're still digging history out of the ground, and the more we dig and the more we understand, the better the Bible looks. Well, Belshazzar can only offer Daniel third place in the kingdom in the story because he only occupies second place himself. He is a king, he's a co-regent, but he is king under his father. And it was King Nabonidus 
who came out of retirement to face King Cyrus of Persia on the field of battle. And he lost. And now the armies of an empire on the rise are marching towards the gates of Babylon. And there's nothing in their way. Belshazzar is over his head and out of his mind. And that leads us to the drama of this story. We begin reading the word of the Lord now at verse 1. King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Now, let me just break in here and say that this detail has been confirmed by historians. Both Herodotus and Xenophon tell us that the final raid on Babylon took place during a nighttime banquet. So far from being an example of the Bible's lack of accuracy, this chapter of Daniel can be dated and confirmed down to the details. We know that this story that we're reading about happened on October 12, 539 B.C. We jump back into the story at verse 2. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought, that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought in the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Now it appears here that Belshazzar is trying to drink up his courage. He wanted to put on a show for his nobles and demonstrates and demonstrate that he's not just a caretaker of the city, he himself was a man of courage and strength, a man to be followed. And, and so he brought out the spoils of long-forgotten campaigns. And he tries to associate himself with the great victories of the past, with Nebuchadnezzar. And in a sense, that takes us back to the very opening words of chapter 1. In Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 to 2, the very opening words of the book, this is what we're told. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. You see? And Belshazzar is looking back to that. He's saying, Babylon is a great power. Don't forget that. Babylon has won victories even over the gods, he says. But Belshazzar didn't read the fine print. Nebuchadnezzar brought home the spoils, but it was only because they were given to him by God. The Lord gave all these things into his hand. Belshazzar conveniently forgot about that part. So he brings out these vessels to remind the nobles and perhaps himself that Babylon is a power to be reckoned with. But his plan backfires. Verse 5 says, Immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand. The king saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's color changed and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way and his knees knocked together. 
The king called loudly to bring in the enchanters, the Chaldeans, the astrologers. The king declared to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and shows me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king the interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was quite alarmed and his color changed and his lords were perplexed the queen because of the words of the king and his lords came into the banqueting hall now let me just pause there most scholars believe that this is the queen mother belshazzar's mother and nabonidus's wife her name was nitocris and she was renowned in the ancient world for her wisdom and she proves herself in this story to be a formidable character far superior in prudence and intelligence to her son Text goes on to say, and the king, the queen declared, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers. Because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Now, probably helpful here to mention that the Hebrew word for father has a far wider semantic range than does its English equivalent. It can mean father, and it can mean grandfather, and it can mean simply predecessor, and it is being used in that sense here. Nitocris knew that Belshazzar's biological father was Nabonidus, her husband, but she is speaking here of the king with which Belshazzar is trying to identify his hero, his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. She is saying, if you really want to be like him, then do what he did. Call for Daniel, and he will show you the interpretation. And so, King Nebuchadnezzar's old trusted advisor is dug up out of his retirement and brought before the young and frightened king. Verse 13, then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, you are that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king, my father, brought from Judah I have heard of you that the spirit of the gods is in you and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the enchanters, have been brought in before me to read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not show the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Now if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck, and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Belshazzar lacks his predecessor's class. He refers to Daniel as that exile. And he says, if you can read the writing, then do. And he promises that if he can, he shall be made third in the kingdom. Daniel is not impressed with the new boy on the throne. Verse 17 says, Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself, and give your rewards to another. 
Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. And because of the greatness that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he killed. And whom he would, he kept alive. Whom he would, he raised up. And whom he would, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne and his glory was taken from him. He was driven from among the children of mankind and his mind was made like that of a beast and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. He was fed grass like an ox. His body was wet with the dew of heaven until he knew that the Most High God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. And you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this. But you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven, and the vessels of his house have been brought in before you, and you and your lords, your wives, and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know, but the God in whose hand is your breath and whose are all your ways you have not honored. Then from his presence the hand was sent, and this writing was inscribed. This is the writing that was inscribed, Mene, Mene, Tekel, and Parson. This is the interpretation of the matter. Mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command and Daniel was clothed with purple. A chain of gold was put around his neck and a proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar the Chaldean was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Unlike his predecessor, Belshazzar never did humble himself before God. He was an arrogant fool. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was arrogant too, but he was wise enough to bow down before the wisdom, might, power and authority of the God of Israel. Daniel respected Nebuchadnezzar and God used him and prospered him and allowed Nebuchadnezzar to live out a great length of days. Not so Belshazzar. Belshazzar was numbered, weighed, and found wanting, and his kingdom was given to another. And this marks the transition between the head of gold and the chest and arms of silver from Nebuchadnezzar's dream in chapter 2. God raised up Nebuchadnezzar, and God cast down Babylon and Belshazzar. Despite all appearances to the contrary, God is large and in charge. He lifts up, and he throws down, and he knows how to preserve and promote a remnant of his people. Thanks be to God. 
Thank you, friends, for listening to another episode of Into the Word. If you're interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find those at intotheword.ca. You can also connect with Pastor Paul and other Bible readers on our Into the Word Facebook page. Just type Into the Word into your search bar. If you'd like to contribute to this listener-supported program, go to the website and click the Give bar in the top right-hand corner. Once again, that's intotheword.ca. We hope to see you again real soon right here for another episode of Into the Word.